Howdy, everybody. We are wrapping up our Ephesians series today. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians. I'm going to talk today about the last section. But what we've been doing during the series is reading the Word of God aloud. Diane Fleming is going to come up and read Ephesians. So I I ask all you guys to just stand up right now for the reading of the Word of God. You good? Hello? Good morning. Okay, this is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. Amen. You can sit down. Um, Jesus, thank you that you are with us, God. You've given us things, ways to, to equip ourselves to be ready for everything that is out there, God. That we are not alone in the midst of chaos, but we are with you and we are well equipped. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to tell you guys a story <clears throat> before we get into it. Uh, I had the pleasure at the beginning of this summer of going with a group uh, from Antioch, a group of families, to Antioch Kids Camp in Waco. And it was a blast. We had a great time. They put on, it's an awesome, if you're, whenever your kids are in elementary school, if you have kids or plan on having kids, mark the date. When they finish first grade, they should go to Antioch Kids Camp. It's phenomenal. But it made me remember an Antioch Kids Camp I went to about 15 years ago. Clark and Natalie Zombrecker were leading worship at this Antioch Kids Camp. Amen. Um, and let me just say, what an awesome pleasure it is to do church with, with friends. These are people I've known for 20 years. They were with me at Antioch Kids Camp this summer, and I had this memory 15 years ago. And this whole time, we've been doing ministry and different stuff together, loving God together. But they, had, they were leading worship, and their bass player couldn't come. He had a last-minute scheduling conflict. And they said, hey, Ryan, we would love for you to come play bass. And I played bass at the time. I knew, you know, I knew what I was doing. And uh, they said, are you free that weekend? I said, yes. I said, I haven't played bass in a while. But I played guitar regularly, and the musically, I felt fine. I knew all the songs. He goes, okay, we have a rehearsal the week before. I said, I can't make the rehearsal day. I have a thing I can't move. He goes, okay, that's fine, that's fine. Just practice. Here's the songs. Make sure you're ready to go. And this is a, so, I don't know if you guys know about bass guitar, but uh, if you ever played a regular guitar, the first time you play, it's really, really hard, not just because you don't have the skills, but because your fingers are too soft, and your left hand has to get really kind of callous to hold the strings down hard enough to be able to play guitar. And once you build that up, then you can play all the time, and you can even go a couple days without playing. They stay calloused. 
The bass guitar, you also use these fingers. Because I didn't play with the pick, I played with my fingers. And so these two fingers and the strings are thick and heavy. And every time you play them, your fingers get a little more calloused. Well, if you don't play bass guitar for, let's say, a year, and then you play seven times in three days, you learn the lesson that I was about to learn, which is we showed up at camp and uh, we had a little practice session. I felt good, played a little, felt great. We played a whole kind of worship set that night for the kids. And it was, it's, you know, it, the kids are jumping around. It's fun. It's, you know, going, I'm, I'm playing my songs. I know it super good. At the end of the night, I look at my fingers and they both are starting to blister pretty significantly. And I was like, well, that's, that's a bummer, but it's okay. I, I don't, it doesn't hurt really. The next morning we get up and we play again for about 30 minutes. And my blisters, this is how I earned the nickname, Bloody Knuckles Walker. Because these things popped open. It was like a horror movie. We're at kids camp, right? There's first graders right here. And my pit guard is splattered with blood. Boom, 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 boom. And this is the second of like seven worship sessions. And there's not another bass player on site. I'm here. I'm going. I mean, by the end of this week, I've got my fingers wrapped in gauze. It's bleeding through the gauze. The strings are red, this whole section. It was absolutely, I mean, there's kids today who are still saying, I'm, I'm still traumatized from kids camp. <laughs> Pray for those kids. They're like 20 years old now. It's a big deal. But what I found out that week is that consistency trumps intensity. I could have I prepped that week before camp. I could have said, hey, you know what? I'm going to play bass for seven hours today, and I'm going to make up for six months of lost practice. It would not have gone well for me. Consistency trumps intensity. And it's such a, you know, when I read this Armor of God, uh, we, we memorized. I was part of the Antioch Discipleship School. Who's with me? Holla. And we memorized this passage this year, actually. And it was awesome. Such a good passage. And so when I was, uh, Moses asked me, hey, do you want to preach on Armor of God? I said, absolutely. Love it. I'm all in. One of the things, you know, when I think back to all my, like, memories, walking with the Lord and being a part of churches, where we hear about the armor of God, sometimes this passage is almost used like a hype video. Like, hey, we're about to go. We're going on a mission trip to Chula Vista. Everybody, right? Right now, we're in our hotel room. We're about to go do our first outreach. It's in seven minutes. Let's put on the armor of God. And we talk about the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth, and we go through the armor of God. And it's like a Christian hype video of, like, let's get psyched. Let's do this stuff, man. Let's, we're going to battle. And I don't think, I mean, I think that's fine, right? If you've done that, no need to be embarrassed. I've done that. I probably led that, right? At one time, I probably said, hey, guys, let's do it. There's seven minutes. I don't know what else to do. Let's kill time with the armor of God thing. So I'm not, I'm not hating on anybody, but I don't think that's really what this is about, right? Um, if you read through this, you're going to find something that's very, very different. And what you're going to find is just living life and the wisdom of life is how you spent the last six months it's probably going to have a much, much bigger impact on how this outreach goes than how you spent the last six minutes. No matter what you did, no matter how hyped and how intense you felt the presence of God, what you've spent doing the last six months is going to have a massive impact on how you're able to go out into the world, or the last 20 years, for that matter. Probably going to have an even bigger impact. And all of that stuff, think back to this story about me and my bass guitar, all that stuff is going to become much, much more significant when you are under pressure. When things start going poorly, you're going to find out how you've spent the last six months. 
right? I think about, for me, significant times of transition. I know this is summertime. We got people moving off to college. We got people starting a new teaching job, moving into a new school, going from, you know, elementary to middle school, middle school to high school. Big transition times. All of a sudden, there's a new kind of pressure. There's a new kind of responsibility, and you're going to find out what you've invested. And if, if, if it's been short, you're going to be put in a position to, to press into God more. But a lot of times what we have is this attitude of when things get hard, and this is me, man, when things get hard, I really press into God. I really do. And that's a good habit, man. When things get hard, don't pull away. Press into God. But when things are not, when nothing is hard, when things are boring, what are you doing? When there's no pressure, when it's not this insurmountable obstacle and you have to have faith the size of a mountain, what are you doing on those days? to press into the Lord, to build consistency, to build up a well, a reservoir of who the Lord is. When I say this is not a hype video, one of the, the most used verb in this passage, if you read the armor of God, this, let me tell you how hype and active this verb is. Stand. Right? This is not going out and sieging and slaughtering the enemy. It's none of that stuff. We're doing all this stuff so we can Stand. It's not very dramatic, right? Almost seems a little boring. But the longer I followed the Lord, the greater and greater respect I have for standing. Right? I remember I got saved when I was 19 years old. And I went to World Mandate and I did all this stuff. And I thought, man, I'm a warrior. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I thought, man, this is, this is what I want to do in the Lord. I had these ambitions. I want to serve the Lord. I want to do crazy stuff. And all that stuff is great. I'm not criticizing any of that. I had no, I said, I, basically I thought, I don't want to just be following the Lord and like a regular guy when I'm 60 years old. I want to do all this stuff. This is great. I didn't understand where this was, right? Just, just doing it, just putting one foot in front of the other for another 40 years, I had no idea, and I still probably don't understand how hard that's going to be. That's an achievement, to follow the Lord and stand firm. As everything around you changes, life circumstances change and difficult things happen. You lose jobs and change jobs and family changes and have kids and all of the stuff that happens in life. If you can put one foot in front of the other through all of that and continue to stand firm in the Lord, God bless you. Wow. And, and, and that's a big deal. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, one of my favorite... Uh, coaches of all time. I'm a sports fan. Um, the, the great preparer, John Wooden. John Wooden, so let me tell you about college basketball. If you're not familiar, I'll give you a little overview on college basketball. It's one of the hardest sports to be dominant in, in my opinion. Okay? Basketball is inherently a game of chance. The best teams can miss shots on any given night, and the worst teams can make shots on any given night, so you can always lose. The last time a team won the national championship in basketball, just two years in a row, was 15 years ago. How's that been 15 years for a team to just win and then win again the next year? It, the, the, winning two years in a row has only happened twice in the last 50 years. Okay, so just some context. It's hard to win a lot in college basketball. But there's a man named John Wooden who won 88, his team, his UCLA team, won 88 straight games one time. That's, that's a span of three seasons without losing a game. They won the national title, but they went two years in a row. They won it seven years in a row. 
There's some consistency there. There's some preparation. And John Wood, in the first practice of every season, he would recruit from all over the nation and get the best players in the whole world. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played at UCLA. Bill Walton, some of the best players in the country. He'd bring them to UCLA. These guys are ready to storm the nation and take on and be the biggest, baddest dude in college basketball. And the first practice of the season, he'd everyone sit down, and they learned how to put on their socks and shoes. Man, I'm psyched for second practice, coach. Can't wait for the highlight video of me putting on my socks and shoes. Why did they put on their socks and shoes? Because he understood there's guys that put them on wrong. They're not wearing the socks tight enough. They're not wearing the right size of sock. They're not tying their shoes the right way. And when you're not doing that right, what's going to happen? You're going to get blisters. I wish I had listened to Mr. John Wooden. You're going to get some blisters on your toes. And when you get blisters, you have to miss a day of practice. When you miss a day of practice, you're not getting better while everyone else in the country is. Eventually, you have an injury. You have to miss games. So we're not doing that at UCLA. We're going to learn how to put on our socks, and we're going to learn how to put on our shoes the right way. And that means everybody gets to practice every day, and we don't get blisters. And that's a big advantage we have over the next team. How you prepare, how you put things on matters. Consistency trumps intensity. In this passage... If you read through and and look at the different things he's talking about putting on, he's not saying, now go and find your breastplate of righteousness, go in the closet and dig to the back and get it out and put it on. He's actually saying, since you have already put on, having already fastened on and buckled the belt of truth, having already done these things, now stand firm. Having put on is a big deal. A John Wooden quote, and I'll say I'll, I'll be done with John Wooden in a second for people who hate basketball. When an opportunity, this is a John Wooden quote, when an opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. How many times in your life, okay, if you're under 25, you're not allowed to answer because you don't have life experience. How many times in your life have you run into a situation where you're like, oh man, I wish I had spent years getting ready for this? If you're married, you should be raising your hand right now. If you have children, you should be raising your hand right now. Because it's, once it happens, it's too late to prepare. And now we're dealing with it at School of Hard Knocks instead. And a lot of us have some, some awesome stories from the first, second year of our marriages about things we had not prepared ourselves for. When an opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Consistency trumps intensity. So Paul says some amazing things here in Ephesians 6. Um, and I'm going to focus on uh, verses 11, 12, and 13. So let's, can we pull those up? Or some... some proximity of those, those three verses. Um, and this is, you know, I, I, what, I, what I do when I do a passage like this, I went through and I basically took every verse and I just wrote in my own words and it's like seven words or less. Like you can't, you can't go on. Paul's sometimes real verbose. I just said, I'm going to say a real quick phrase. But I'm looking through at lines 11, 12, and 13. And, and here's what he said. I'm going to read them and then I'm going to share what I said. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. And here's what I wrote. Prepare your spirit for bad stuff. Our struggle is real, and it is everywhere. Prepare, because it will take a lot to stand. 
God is telling us in his infinite love and infinite wisdom to prepare because he knows something we don't. He knows that there's a battle. A lot of times we, we walk around acting like there is no battle. We walk around acting like this is just kind of, you know, this is normal time, this is peace time, and I can kind of, you know, dip into this, and, and maybe I'll read my Bible today, and maybe I'll take a couple days off, and I'll catch up. And I know maybe there's difficult stuff on the horizon, but I'll deal with it then. And God's saying, you know, every day, everything, every time you go out there, it's a battle. One of the things I did in, in preparing for this message, I, I did a little cheat code. I had my life group help me prep this message. So I had a life group a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, I'm speaking a couple weeks on the armor of God. I want you guys to just read it for me and tell me what it says. I already had some notes, but I had them come up with ideas. I said, tell me, I want to hear. And Nate Perdomo said something awesome. He said, he said, you know, it's cool because it's about a battle, and it's like he's inviting us into battle, but it's an invitation. It's not like a, hey, put your bootstraps on and get ready for battle. You have to go out there. It's the reality of Jesus saying, hey, where I'm living, where I'm spending my time is a battlefield. It's hard out there. God is against, Jesus is coming up against a lot of stuff. I don't know if you guys are aware. There's a lot of stuff out there that sets itself up against the truth of God. And Jesus is at, at war with that every day, all the time for the souls of people. And he's inviting us and saying, if you want to be with me, because I want to be with you. I want to be with you, Chris Otts. I want to be close to you more than anything. I'm doing this battle thing. And I want to be with you so bad that I'm going to take you into the battle because that's where I am. But I don't want you to come in looking like you're looking. It's going to be rough, man. You're going to get beat up real bad. So I need you to put some stuff on. And it's not something you put on one morning and you're good to go. It's something you practice putting on. Right? If you've never put on the belt of truth before, it's going to really weigh you down. It's going to confront some things in your life that's not going to be comfortable. So we put it on every day. If you've never put on the breastplate of righteousness, then instead you're putting on other stuff. Right? You're putting on something else. And so now when it's time and you need that breastplate, it's going to take you too long to get that thing on. You're not going to be comfortable wearing it. So Jesus' infant wisdom is saying, I'm in battle, and I need you to do this. We have a two-year-old daughter. Is there a picture of her in there? We have a two-year-old daughter who is delightful. This is Natalie. She's too much. I can't, I could just stop and talk. I'm going to stay on the message. But she's, she's amazing. And one of the things she says, so she, you know, language isn't fully developed. She's two years old. And she can't say I. She says my. Everything is my. So it's like my, you know, my song. I want to do a song. Anyway, so she, one of the things she says all the time is, my fine, my fine. It means I'm fine. And really what it means is, leave me alone. <laughs> because I got this. And so here she is. She's gotten a brownie, and she's already eaten two cookies, and I'm coming to maybe help give her a carrot or something else made of a plant <laughs> that grew in the ground at some point. And I'm handing her a carrot right in this picture, and she says, my fine, my fine. My fine. And she'll say it like 15 times looking right at you. Like she tilts her head a little more and she's like, Do you understand? My fine. My fine. And laugh all we want. That's how we are. God is trying to give us something. God is trying to give us a tool and say, hey, if you will read this, it will, it will reap a harvest. If you will read this, something good will happen in your life. And we're going, my fine. God, my fine. I got this work thing. I got something else to do today. I've got a busy schedule. My fine. 
I'm going to get this. And it's just as ludicrous as it is with my daughter Natalie. She's, you're two years old. You don't know what fine is. You have no idea if you are fine. Right? Your diaper is full of stuff that I don't want to talk about at church. You have real problems going on. You are not fine. You haven't slept in 19 hours. You're not fine. And I'm a grown-up, and I know that you are not fine. Jesus knows the battle is everywhere. So he's calling us. He's inviting us into a consistency, a baby step, taken one after the other, little baby steps. He's asking us, let's pull up Galatians 6. We have Galatians 6, that passage. Um, He's asking us not just, you know, one of the, I'm not going to, this message, as you can tell, is not me going through every one of these things and putting on a costume. Sorry if you were excited for that. Um, I'll I'll send you a great YouTube video if you want. I I don't have one, but I could find one quick. Um, God's asking us to invest in these things. And so one of the things he's asking us here, this is Galatians 6, verses 8 and 9. I'll read this. For, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. The little step doesn't have a lot of glory, right? The consistency doesn't feel like the mountaintop every day. Sometimes it feels boring. And when something is boring, it's easy to go, yeah, I'm not going to do that tomorrow. That doesn't do anything for me, right? I got a personal trainer in the house, Brittany Bear. I might have other personal trainers. I don't know. I know Brittany is. Brittany, if I'm going to do tomorrow, I got two options. I can do one push-up or zero push-ups. Which would you recommend? Brittany's saying one push-up, right? One push-up might be kind of boring. I probably won't even see any results, will I? Let's be honest. Dang it. Okay, so that one push-up didn't do anything for me. But you know what? It's going to make it a lot easier to do two push-ups the next day. And if I do that every day, it's going to make it really easy to do 20 push-ups someday. (laughs) But if I do no push-ups tomorrow, how much closer am I to doing 20 push-ups? Zero. Matt, crunch the numbers. It's zero. (laughs) Right? The little step has no glory, but it's, it's, what, it's how we grow in the Lord, is doing the little things. And so I think God's inviting us. One of the things, one of the things is the sword of the Spirit, right? And, and Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit. And let me tell you, uh, that's not, that doesn't mean have your Bible in your pocket everywhere you go. Although, hey, you should do that. Put it on your phone. It's real easy. You can have it. I think one of the things he's talking about here is, is storing up little swords. Not just, not just having the whole thing with you, but is it, is it in you? Is it with you? Do we, are we memorizing scripture? Are we in front of the word? Not just saying I memorized it, but am I in front of it enough to remember what it says when I need it? One of the things with my boys, they're always like, I, nobody help me. They scream and scream and never ask anyone for help. It's like, okay, well, no one's going to help you, right? No one's bringing me a sandwich because I didn't ask for a sandwich. Even if I did, no one's bringing me a sandwich. But if you don't ask for help, you're not going to get it. So what do I tell them? Do I just tell them the wisdom of the world? Do I get a new motivational poster or a John Wooden quote? No, I'm going to tell them, hey, James chapter 1, verse 5. If anybody lacks wisdom, he should ask God. And I'm teaching them that, and we do it over and over again because I want the word to be in them. I want the word to be in me so that I don't run into a problem and go, whew, let me go find a Bible keyword lookup and see what I do about depression. No, 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 I want that already in me, right? I want to already know those who look to him are radiant, Right? Those who look to him, they will feel no shame. I want, to know, I want to have that in me already when something bad happens. When an opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. 
Consistency trumps intensity. I want us to also remember the armor, as, as Paul describes the armor, a lot of times we just re- really individualize that. And we do that with everything in the Bible. We read it and we think about, I, I immediately get this little picture of me and maybe God. Maybe it's just me. A lot of times it's just me. Sometimes God's kind of in the picture. And we leave out the church, right? And we're not thinking about the church. How, how, what would it look like for Antioch Austin to, to put on the belt of truth, right? How can I help that? How can I help my life group to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Because the armor is for the bride of Christ. It's for the church, right? And so um, one of the things we tell our kids all the time is you, you, we're going to practice how to obey God. We're going to practice how to make friends. You can't get along with this one guy. You're not going to have any practice when we go interact with 30 people. They're homeschooled, so there's a lot. We really need to practice. We say, hey, if, if you can't get along, here's your practice guy. This is your practice friend. If you can't get along with him, you don't have any practice. Now you go play with someone else, and you're not ready, right? So the main thing we're practicing is don't punch, Practice spending an hour with somebody else and not punching them. Hopefully, most of us are beyond that, but that's what our kids are working on, right? In community, that's what we're working on, is how do we practice together this stuff? How do we practice righteousness and sharpen each other? I was hanging out with a guy uh, the other day um, who lives somewhere else. He's visiting, and I, I just asked him, I said, man, how's, how's your marriage? And uh, it's, he's doing good. But he said, thank you so much for asking that. He said, I don't know. I don't know when the last time somebody asked me that. It's probably been five years. Wow. That makes it really tough, right? Remember what I said at the very beginning? Making this thing, going another 40 years and making this thing, just put one foot in front of the other. That's really hard. It's not just hard. It's actually impossible, right? And I need with me a great cloud of witnesses. I need a bunch of other people who are in this thing with me and pushing me on and saying, Ryan, how's your marriage? I, I need that. Who doesn't need that? How's your relationship with your kids? Whew, man, I'm so glad you asked me. We practice consistency. We practice, too, the word of life. How do we speak into somebody and say, hey, when we had that conversation, how's your marriage? It's rough, man. Right now, we're fighting every day. I don't know what to do. And, I, you know, I'm not an advice guy. I don't love giving advice. You might perceive that I'm giving advice right now, but J.D. asked me to come up here and give advice, so I'm doing that. But when I'm talking to somebody, I don't want to give advice, but I want to listen, and I want to speak life. If somebody's going, man, it's hard, I'm going to say, man, you're doing the work. You're in it right now. The fact that you're sticking with the fact that you're talking to me about this, this is what's working for you. I'm going to speak identity over them. I'm going to say, God says this about you. This is who you are to your wife. God's put you in her life for a reason. And God wants you to love her. And, and I'm, I'm not telling him what to do, giving advice all the time, but I'm speaking word of life. I'm speaking, here's who you are. We need to hear that. One way to hear that is reading this. God will tell you who you are. But sometimes it means a whole lot more hearing it from somebody who you can see. Somebody who's seen the flaws. They, they know when you failed at that other thing. They were there five years ago and they can go, no, 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 no. This is who you are. We need that. And so if we need that, we've got to do that. Amen? So we're going to, is the worship team coming up? I saw him. Just, we're off on time. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I'd love for the worship team to come up, but I want to leave you with this. Here's what I'm going to leave you with today is a vision for a step. Okay? 
Uh, let me read it. Let me read one quote. Worship team can still come up. They're doing great. This is my book. I read this book a year ago, Atomic Habits. Has anyone read this? If you have not read this, you should read this. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. Oh, it gets better, J.D. Your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your learning habits. Your clutter in your home is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. Hey, so encouraging. You get, you get what you repeat. So let me add my own because he's not a believer. Your spiritual health, your spiritual maturity is a lagging measure of your spiritual habits. So today I'm not asking anyone to jump up to the top of the mountain or take 15 steps forward, but I want us to get a vision of a step, of something we can do. And Ephesians 6 is a fantastic place to find an idea. Tomorrow, I'm going to put on the belt of truth. Tonight, I'm going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation and let my mind meditate and dwell on the the miracle of God bringing salvation to somebody like me. Jesus, I'm asking right now for every single one of us. And I walked around the the whole auditorium this morning and prayed this over every seat. I'm asking for us to get a vision for a single step, God. And I want that to be not just an idea, but I want us to think about a place and a time and picture a couch in our house or a desk or some place that we want to be before you in an incremental way, God. And I just ask for everyone in here, would you invite us, give us a vision of spending one more minute with you today, Jesus. And I want to tell us, because most of us have tried this at some point in the past. We've done, everyone's made, done that one push-up, and then the next day they did no push-ups again. If you show up, he's not going to let you down. If you show up saying, God, what I want is to be before you. What I want, God, is to minister to you today, God, and give you glory. He's going to meet you there. Also today, God, I just ask for courage, for boldness from every one of us to take a step forward. Whatever that next thing is, that next challenge right in front of us, not to take the whole thing on tomorrow, God, but I pray for everyone to have courage to take that next step without fear knowing that you are going to be there. You are going to be with us. In Jesus' name.